All right, we're going to talk about this, uh, this theme that we've been exploring now for weeks. Paul is in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's writing a letter to a church, the church at Philippi, a church that has shown up in an amazing way for him. Uh, one of the things we know is that the Philippian church rallied around Paul in his difficult time. Again, he was under confinement. He wasn't free. He couldn't go where he wanted to preach the gospel where he wanted to. He'd always wanted to go to Rome, but not like this. He was awaiting some type of a verdict. It wasn't clear what was going to happen to him. Uh, we know that this first time around, he gets acquitted. But earlier on, he didn't know. He didn't know what was going to happen. And he was also dependent for the first time, really in a long time, on the uh, benevolence of others, particularly the churches. He was hoping they would rally, but he wasn't asking them to do so. And of course, the Philippians responded in a magnificent way that really just warmed his heart. We're going to pick up on the piece of scripture that we looked at the last couple weeks. You know, in the past few weeks, we've been looking at verses or two, just a few. We're going to actually look at a larger swath to bring this to a conclusion. But to appreciate where we're going, we need to also just take a little bit of glance back to where we've been. And so if we can, let's look at the 10th verse, verses 10 through 13 of Philippians 4. Paul says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. And I, and I know you have always been concerned with me for me, but you just didn't have the chance to help me. Uh, Paul's saying, I, I know you care. I've never doubted the fact that you care. Uh, I just know that things didn't quite work out in a way that allowed you to respond in, in the time frame that I was hoping, but now it's come, and I'm so thankful for it. Look, he says this, though, almost like he needs to also let them know that even though he's grateful for their gift, at the same time, um, whether or not any gifts would have come, he would have been okay. Look what he says. He goes, not that I, I was ever really in need, uh, for I have learned, and we talked about learning to be content. We talked about how that's something we can grow in, right? He says, not that I've ever, ever been in need necessarily, but I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. And I, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything, and I've learned the secret of living in every situation. We talked about that secret, whether it's, it's with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little. Like Paul says, you know, I've experienced ups and downs, good times, bad times, difficulties, um, times when I've been extraordinarily blessed. I've had times when my stomach was totally empty. I've had times where I had more than enough. You know, in any of those situations, I've learned to have an extremely adaptable and flexible kind of vibrant faith in God, a, a trust in Christ. He says, I can do all things. Look at that 13th verse, the key secret to his strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's taught me. I've learned how to apply his reality, his real presence in my life, no matter what I'm confronted with. So I just need you to know that, Paul says to the church of Philippi. As much as I appreciate your gift, the truth is I really don't need anything. I've learned to trust Christ in my life, in the good and in the bad. But almost sensing maybe as he's writing these very words and making these soaring declarations about living out of the power base of Christ, he almost, it's almost like he checks himself and says, you know what, I, I, but I, I don't mean to go off too far and sound unappreciative. Look what he says in verse 14. Even so... You have done well. I, I just want you to know this. You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Um, I, I, it's a good thing what you have done. Uh, please understand by declaring what I've just shared. I'm in no way suggesting that I don't appreciate the way that you showed up and shared with me in my difficult place. I, I need to say that. I need to, I need to acknowledge that, that you've come through for me, and I thank you so much for that. Verse 15, he says this, because as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. He says, no other church really did this. Uh, he, he's actually you know, glancing back to a moment, almost like 10 years before, 
a decade earlier when he first planted the church, and he, he starts thinking about how they've always been there to support him, how they insisted on helping him when he had left Macedonia. He had, they had been not only receptive and responsive, but they had been amazingly grateful in the way in which they expressed that um, to him by always really trying to support him financially. And Paul, had, Paul is just kind of thinking back to the different times when they have actually shown up in big ways for him. And then, in fact, his mind goes back even further. He says, you know what, I, I don't, he goes, I, I, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. So it's almost like, and yeah, and I remember that time on more than one occasion when I was in Thessalonica, you guys still came behind me and supported me. He goes, it's, it's, in other words, you've had a habit of supporting me in times that are difficult with your finances, and I just want to, again, tell you how much I appreciate it. And look what he says. Uh, and I don't say this, verse 17, and, and now he's, you see Paul, he, he's constantly moving in correctives. He, he's, he, 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 almost like he says, but I don't want to sound like I'm just flattering you falsely for the purpose of manipulating you to get another gift. Because please don't think that way. Look at verse 17, he says, I don't say this because I want, to get, want a gift from you. Rather, you know what? I just, I just want you to receive a reward for your kindness. You know, my, my motivation is that you're blessed because I'm so appreciative of what God's done through you, your caring, your concern, your kindness towards me. Um, you know, I just want you to be blessed for that. Truly, I do. With all sincerity, I say that. I want nothing more from you, just your blessing. 18, at the, mo at the moment, I have all I need, and I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Look at that. They are a sweet, now he moves back into the language of the, of the scripture. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me, you know what? He's going to supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I have more than enough. May the God who takes care of me, who has always taken care of me, may that God who has supplied my needs always, may he take care of you. May his goodness, may his blessing, may his glorious riches sustain you now and into eternity. So Paul's getting really excited. And what's exciting him is the idea of blessing the people who've blessed him. And then and almost like he's got some momentum going, he then pushes even further at verse 20. He says, now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. That means let it be. May it be so. You, just, you can feel him just rising up in praise as he starts thinking about the goodness of God. Now think about where he is. He's, in a, he's confined. He's under arrest. He doesn't know what his future is. He's got real problems. But all of a sudden, he's just focused on the blessing of God, and he's just really getting blessed by the fact that they're supporting him and coming from behind, and he acknowledges that, and he glorifies God, and there's this real excitement in Paul, and he just says, you know what? I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm blessed because of you, and I want to bless you back. And our Lord blesses us. And he's just, he's just a very uh, positive, focused man on the goodness of God. And then look at the postscript. Again, we're just moving through this passage. Look at the postscript, verse 21. He says, I want you to do this, please, now that he comes back down. I want you to, if you can, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus, that is, to the rest of the church, the community. Tell them we said hello. In fact, the brothers who are with me, my team, my leadership team, they also send greetings, thank yous, um, blessings your way. And then this really unique and remarkable verse just kind of thrown in there that has caused people to go, wow, that was actually happening. Look at this. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings too. And then this phrase, especially those in Caesar's household. Now, what's interesting about that is we know who Caesar was. This was Nero. Nero was going to ultimately, you know, he was this madman. He was a sadist. He was 
just, uh, he was cruel. Uh, we know that ultimately he's going to have uh, uh, just this massive persecution in which, you know, Christians are slaughtered left and right, nailed to crosses on the Appian. I mean, this is like, this is, this is not a good guy. He, he's, he's bloodthirsty. But at this particular time, the Bible tells us that things were going on, that even, even here in Rome, that this message of Christ had begun to make its way into the very center of power, that even in the household of this madman world dictator, as it were, that there had come a kind of movement of people whose hearts were open in following Christ, that this message had penetrated even the corners. Now, we don't know, we don't know if it was literally the, the family of Nero or if it was just kind of the extended uh, you know, Roman uh, sort of connective that, that was all over the empire, the civic servants, the different members who oversaw the various uh, you know, departments of Caesar's household. But the point being is the message of Christ had made its way even into the most um, seemingly stronghold of persecution. And, of course, it had, and it had real effect. Now, he goes on to conclude, and he says this, and this is where I would like us to complete this before we jump a little bit further. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may he be with you and with your spirit. Do you know what that means? May the goodness, may the love of God be yours. May, it, may God's goodness and grace, may it overflow your life. And it's like, it's a blessing. And so it just got me thinking about this overflowing life because Paul was a man who says, I want your life to be overflowed with the goodness of God and with his grace. You know, there's so much here. Um, you know, what, in a moment, I'm going to just kind of take what we just read and we just walk through because we kind of put it together as it was meant to flow. And I'd like us to revisit it from the standpoint or the perspective of what it means to live the overflowing life. And then I want us to interweave that with what Paul's talking about and pull out principles, there'll be simple things for us to look at that hopefully like a drawer that's opening up, it has a lot more in it. And as we note what the overflowing life looks like, we'll be able to also negotiate through maybe some, own, some of our own issues before the Lord. So having said that though, before I even note the first thing that characterizes the overflowing life, I want to suggest something that it isn't. What the overflowing life isn't, at least as Paul was declaring it to be in Christ, it was not a problem-free life. Let's just be very clear about that. There was no suggestion that following Jesus meant exemption from problems in life that happened to everybody. Uh, Paul, Think about this. Paul himself was in the middle of not a great place. He was in a place where he was not free. He was suffering. There was some degree of loss. It was not, he had people who had been supporting him and weren't supporting him. He had other people who were disappointing him, not showing up. He had others who were actually undermining him. He didn't know where his future was going. All he had done was what he thought God had told him to do. I mean, think about his situation. It wasn't a good situation. And yet, and I think it's a reminder, because Jesus even said this. He said, in this world, we will have tribulation. There will be difficult times. He didn't ever sell his false bill of goods. He never said, you sign on the dotted line, and then I guarantee you everything's going to go your way all the time. Because think about it. There's too many variables in life. What he did say is, I will be with you always. I will never abandon you. In an age of abandonment, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even in the end of this age. Jesus said this, there are going to be times in life where we have issues. There's no question about it. There's things that happen all the time. 
things that we can't control, things that we can't predict. We've been reading about them, watching them. I mean, it reminds us of how fragile our world really is sometimes. Things that we assume will always be the way they are are not necessarily as stable as they, as they seem, which is why Jesus talked frequently about asking the real questions and not allowing ourselves to get sort of caught up in the delusion that somehow, you know, we can, re- we can find ourselves through acquisition. That, that that never really is an answer. It's not what we possess ultimately that defines a human being. Because everything that we possess will ultimately, you can either be lost now or it will ultimately be let go of. Jesus said, don't ever think that life consists of the abundance of the things that we possess. He says, remember this, to, to live richly to God and, live ri- and be a blessing to others. Love God, love others. This is a key. And to do that well, we need to be a growing person. So let's talk about this overflowing life. Let's talk about what that means. It's certainly not the problem-free life. We'll have problems, we'll have people, issues, we'll have things that we can't control. Stuff will happen, inevitably. That's okay. How We can still live an overflowing life. Let's talk about it. Paul says this, and I'll just kind of use this as a, as a, a way of moving down a ladder. He says uh, that the, the, the overflowing life, firstly, is a, a, a life that is filled with generosity. It's a generous life. So what I mean by that is this, that you know, so much of what was happening here had to do with giving and generosity. I mean, we just read it. We've just been talking about it. The whole fourth chapter, it's just connected to it. It has to do with the Philippians who are bringing a tangible financial gift that was a blessing to Paul. It was something Paul recalled they had made a habit of doing, and their faithfulness had made Paul unusually committed to their well-being, and he spoke blessing over them. In fact, he said in absolute sincerity that what made him most happy, think about this, was not what he was getting or even what, what he was getting represented. What made him most happy was what would happen to them as a result of their responsiveness to his situation. That's what made him most happy, that they were going to be rewarded, that they were going to be blessed, that God was going to give them a unique blessing. And by the way, that blessing is the unique domain of those who are willing to be a conduit of blessing. There is a unique blessing that God gives to those who are willing to be a vehicle of blessing to others. And Paul is saying, whatever that is, you have it. You have that. It's something about your willingness to be responsive to God and to show up in a very tangible, real way that is declarative of the sincerity of a faith that goes beyond words. And he says this, I pray with true, true satisfaction for your blessing." because it is the blessing of those who are willing to be blessers. And I pray that God will continue to bless you because I see that you use that blessing and give it away. That's a quite a statement on his part. Think about this. In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, two verses I often refer to, almost paradoxical. Um, we need to sit with them. It, it says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will be refreshed. Now, there, these are principles that are sort of being put out there. There is, a, there is a kind of way of giving, a giving spirit that creates a wealth all its own. It's not just wealth back. It's a different kind of wealth. It's not just money. It has to do with being willing to be a blesser and receive it. And there is a kind of clutching, a kind of holding on to things, a kind of stinginess of life, a way of living that actually ends up, even though we think we have more, we have less. And there's a way of giving things away that actually produces an increase, even though it looks like I'm giving it away, but it's an increase. 
It's the Bible's way of saying that when we refresh others, here's the, here's the thing that happens dynamically. We ourselves are refreshed. I put this little piece here on the top there. It says, every act of Christian ministry develops and enriches the one who performs it. Whatever blessing goes to those who are recipients, there's a greater blessing to those who are the blessers. This is part of what Jesus meant, by the way, when he said, think about it. What was he just saying it? What was he getting at? It is more blessed to give even than to receive. That the true blessing is to give. And there's something that is powerful and there's something about the generous heart that, that is, that, you know, and I think it's true. There is something. I've, I've been blessed in life by the gifts of others. And that has created a, a gratitude. And, and at the same time, there is some, there's a kind of unique, even deeper satisfaction that comes oftentimes with blessing. That we, we feel so blessed to be able to do it. A kind of satisfaction that's hard to describe. That's what he's talking about. Paul says, you've been so generous to me. And he says, you know what? The overflowing life is not only a generous life, but it's also a life that's filled with gratitude. It's, it's a grateful life. And I, again, this has been all over this, this, this uh, whole series. We've been talking about it because it's all over the fourth chapter of Philippians, right? What do we go back earlier in the chapter? What does he say? It, you know, be anxious, what, for nothing, right? Don't allow anxiety to just overtake us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What was the phrase? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. It'll keep our heart. It'll keep our mind through Christ Jesus. But what does that have to do? It has to do with a, gra- a heart of gratitude. And I was thinking about this. I was looking at this. You know, Paul, Paul is just emphasizing here how grateful he is to the Philippians for their support. Of course, for their gift that was delivered by Epaphroditus. Yes, I'm thankful for that. Um, but really, I'm, I'm, it's more of just a reflection of how much gratitude you have, you have uh, for me. And I throw it right back at you. And it's almost like Paul says, you know how much I appreciate you? And they say, well, you know how much we appreciate you? Paul says, well, you know what? You've been a blessing to me. And they say, well, here's our blessing to you. And Paul says, well, thank you for your blessing, but I want to give you back an even greater blessing. And they say, well, you know what? We appreciate that, but you've been the first blessing. This is a, there's this dance of gratitude going on, right? Who's going to outthank the other? And you know, I love that because it really does capture so much of just what genuine affection looks like and, and friendship looks like and appreciation for one another looks like. Think about it. Again, I mentioned this earlier. Paul could have focused on everybody who was letting him down. And it's good for us. It's good medicine. He isn't in a good place. He doesn't love his position. He's kind of stuck. He feels inhibited and uncertain. It could have been very easy for him to start focusing on people Look, for every Philippian church that stepped forward, there were more than, uh, more than 10 times who were doing nothing. He could have very easily said, and there were other people, remember we talked about this, who were actually using his situation to say, Paul can't be from God because, look, he's not being blessed. And they undermined his teaching as a leader. And they were saying, see, God's not with him. And so he's got this going on on his flank. He's got other people who are not showing up. And, and, of course, his future is uncertain. He can even begin to question, God, where are you? But you know, you know what you see here? How thankful I am for you. The spirit of, he's focusing on the people who are showing up. He's saying, thank you, God, for these people, right? I thank the Lord for you. That's where his focus is going. Where does our focus go? Is it go where should it be going? Focus on being grateful. 
Focus on the things that we can be thankful for. Don't focus on who isn't showing up. Focus on what is showing up, who is showing up. Don't focus on what, we, what is not going well. Focus on what we are appreciating, what we're grateful for. You see what I'm saying? He's modeling what it means to be grateful, to focus in that direction. Every excuse in the world to say, man, you let me down. You, where are you? I poured into you. You're not showing up for me. Well, it's all about, but you don't hear that. In, you don't hear, maybe a little bit every now and then it comes out, you know, but the, really the dominant theme is, how much I appreciate you, and you know what? I just want to bless you. I mean, I love that. And that leads us, not only is, it a, is this overflowing life a life that's filled with generosity and gratitude, but it's also a shared life. That's number three, a shared life. Look what's going on here, and it just weaves right in. I go back, go back to verse 14 if you can, right there on the handout. Look what he says. Even so, you have done well to what? To, sh- I serve, to share in my in my present difficulty, to share in my present difficulty. Here's a question. I just started thinking about it. Is, is there someone's difficulty we are sharing in? Is there someone's difficulty we are sharing in? And he says, do you know how much I appreciate the fact that you are standing with me at this time? You say, oh, Paul doesn't need any courage. Oh, yeah, he did. I, do you know how much it matters to me that you're sharing in my difficulty in this present moment? Are there people in our lives whose difficulty we are sharing in? You know, I I realize it's a good thing to send resources off and gifts off to distant lands where we'll never see anyone. But sometimes there's also a huge value, maybe even most significant value, of showing up for, for people in our lives who are walking through a difficult place and need our real presence. They need us to show up. And oftentimes, I I found that this is when true, true Christ-likeness is modeled out. It's it's when we show up for someone in their present difficulty, as Paul is saying, and how important it is to have people stand with us in times of trouble. Come on. Now, isn't it true that Christ is enough? Yes. What does Paul say? Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ. That's, That's a settled issue. But you know what? I'll say this. Christ's love is often, is often shown to us through other people, often others in his name. It's, it's, it's through people that we often experience the expression of God's love. And often what matters most sometimes is that someone, or, or if I can put it this way, many someones genuinely care about our well-being. That someone or many someones genuinely care about our well-being and maybe... And maybe <laughs> Maybe, maybe this could be true as well. May we be one of those one or two someones for someone else. May we also be a kind of person who's willing to show up for others. And I think showing up in a present difficulty means, sharing in that difficulty means I carry that burden with you. We're going to walk together through this. You're not alone, my friend. I am with you. I'll do the best that I can by the grace of God to stand with you. And it might be in a tangible way, but you know what? I think what mattered most to Paul when he says this, he goes, what matters more to me even that you're, he goes, look, I love the gift that you've given. I'm thanking you for it. He goes, I can sure use it. I don't really need anything, but I appreciate it a lot. But you know what matters most to me is the fact that you are standing with me at this time. Do you know how much that means to me? I love this. It's like, it's like you know, he's, he's telling them, I just needed someone to be there. And this, this blessing that they were given uh, giving Paul meant so much to him beyond just what it, it was in and of itself. You're sharing with me in my present difficulty. Huh? Now, again, there are going to be times when we're struggling just to keep our head above water. And it's uh, sometimes when we are in a faith crisis or a personal crisis or, 
or it's hard to keep our chin up and we're feeling like we want to quit. We don't want to run. We don't have any, can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. Part of us wants to run away, wants to do something reckless, wants to be foolish. Or maybe we feel enormously paralyzed by guilt because we've been unable to live up to the expectations we ourselves believe God has called us to. And we're ashamed of that. And, and, and in those places, can I tell you how important it is to have other people who are sharing in, in the difficulty with us, who are able to say, look, you know what? Don't quit. Um, I believe in you. God's got, God loves you. He's, 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 you know, he's present. Um, sometimes I think that, that we need people who won't quit on us when there's a part of us that just wants to quit on ourselves. And they, they show up and they hold our hands and they get us through. And we, that's, what, that's what people do in Christ for one another. You see what I'm saying? That, that's what it means. That, this Christian life was never meant to be lived in isolation. The Lone Ranger is always vulnerable without Tonto, right? He needs to have somebody with him. I'm using an explanation that really dated me right there. All right, all right. <laughs> but the idea is we need a companion. Two is better than one. Three full cord what? Not easily broken. Woe to the one who falls in there alone. See, see the idea is that we need people to share one our burdens with and also that we can, listen, that we can be that for them. You know what a blessing it is to show up for people who maybe at certain points just, they don't need to be assessed. They don't need to be judged. And I'm, and I'm believe me, I'm, I, I lean into, hey, let's, let's try to solve this thing, right? Let's focus on the principles. Let's try to get back to the lined up right. I get, but you know what? There are times we're so broken up. The last thing we need, like Job, we, what we don't need is friends to tell us all the things we've done wrong and try to figure it out. Maybe sometimes we just need someone to be there with us and to cry with us and just say, you know, God's here too. And we're on the verge of maybe having one of the best breakthroughs in our life. We just can't see it yet. And that's okay. And you know what? I believe in you and our future is going to get better. That's just not faith. We have God with us. The Lord is with us. We can pray into this thing. We can change things dynamically. Let's believe together. Let's encourage one another. You see what I'm saying? This is what, this is what it means to be there. And to resist that tendency to solve. I know there's times to confront things. There's a time to deal with things. There's a times when love must confront an issue and lay it on the board. Okay, I get, we get that. And maybe sometimes that's where a relationship's at. But there's a lot of times where we just need somebody to do what Paul said. I just need you to be there in my present difficulty because it matters that you are, the fact that you are there means so much. A yeah, shared life. The, not only is the, the overflowing life a, a generous life, it's not only a grateful life, it's not only a shared life, but Paul says also it's a full life. Look at this. Just stay with me on it. Think about something. He goes, he goes, he goes back to verse, look at verse 18. He says, at the moment I have all I need and more. Basically what he's saying is this. You know what? You, look, my cup is full. I, I'm okay either way, right? He's saying my cup is full, but you're something. Now, can something overflow unless it's, it can only overflow if, it, if it's already filled. So it's got to get filled up. And then it's not until it's filled up, then then when more is added, it overflows. And this is the picture here. Paul is saying, I was filled fully before I ever, ever received your gracious gift. You know what? The Lord, he's saying the Lord is with me. He sustains me. It's all good. Right? God's there. I'm okay. But you know what? Paul is more focused on their well-being he's, than his own. His, his fullness overflows. His fullness is such that it, the, their blessing overflows in him a concern for them to be blessed. It just overflows in his life. He can't help it. I just want you to be so blessed. 
I'm just so thankful for the way you're growing in God. I'm just so thankful in the reality of faith that I see in you that is tangible and real, the way you've stepped up, the way you've showed up, the way you've shared with me in my present difficulty. You know what? I overflow with the blessing of God, and I want to bless you back with it. The overflowing life is a blessing life. Lastly, the overflowing life, and this is so true, it's a contagious life. And I love this. Why? Because, think about it again. What was Paul saying? He was saying, you know what? Just be aware of this, that this message of Jesus that was shared, he goes, I want you to know it's already making its way up, not just into the circles that we share, Paul says. He says, it's even finding its way up the vine into the very places where Roman power is resident, in the very household of Caesar. You know what? The fact is that the way we negotiate through life affects other people. People listen to our lives. People watch us. Family members, friends, coworkers, people watch us. We're not talking about perfection, but a growing life with God. A life that's transforming. A life that's increasingly aligned. A life that is showing up. You know when oftentimes people listen the most and watch the closest? is when things are not going well. In those places of confinement and trouble, what comes out of us? What is showing up? It's true. Some of us are going to experience an exceptional kind of blessing, and the challenge there will be in the future for some of us. Can we retain the same simple, honest, consistent faith that characterized our life before we had an abundance? That's one challenge. But frequently, in times of adversity, in those places where it's really hard, is where people are most listening to what is happening in our lives. They're watching, they're listening. And when they watch, may there be something of the reality of God that shows up. Think about what Jesus said. Uh, let your light shine before people, before men, that they may see your good works, the goodness of your life. And give not just praise to you, but give glory to God. Because they're connecting the fact that what's happening in this person's life, in our life, is connected to the real relationship we have with the living God. And therefore are drawn to him because of what they see. That contagious, overflowing life. But what he wants is how it works. Last thing in the handout is the song itself. Songs called Overflow. Can I just challenge us on how to maybe receive it, invite us to receive it this way? Maybe some of us, before we just head out in the rest of our day and into a new week, um, maybe there are issues, as we've been sharing here, that God's kind of sparked something in our heart. Maybe some of us are feeling a real need for a reset. We want to be cleansed. We, pray, we sang about the Lord's Prayer. Lord, deliver us from our vices. Lead us not into temptations, Lord talked about living an overflowing life with God, a cleanse. Think of something that's overflowed. It's fresh. It's alive. It's overflowing. It's vital again. It's cleaned out. It's cleaned up. Maybe as we share in this time, we just say, Lord, clean my, clean my heart, God. You know, keep, remind me to keep a good attitude. Teach me to be concerned for others, Lord. Help me not to live simply at, with my own situations, but to be like Paul and begin to focus on being a blesser to do the very opposite thing that maybe part of me wants. Maybe others of us were just feeling like, Lord, you know what, I just want, I need to show up for this person. I really do. I, I feel you telling me I need to be responsive and show up here in this time of difficulty, okay? Whatever God's doing, let's pray. Lord, just, you know, just again, you know, I know we all have our own story. Our life is our own story. I get it. I mean, it's being written right now. We're all here. We're in your house. Um, we came. We made a decision to be here. And I just want to ask that you would, you would take what we've been sharing and, and multiply it in our hearts and in our soul. 
Um, you know what we need. And I pray that you would just overflow our lives. Overflow our lives with the grace and the goodness of God in such a way, Lord, that it affects other people. What we, 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 we do, we invite you in, Lord, to keep working. Break down our barriers of pride and apathy. Keep our heart tender, Lord, and don't let us be people who brood with criticism and resentment, but free us up, Lord, even when things don't seem fair. Free us up to be a blesser, just like your servant Paul. We really ask you to overflow us with your presence. Bless our closing song, our closing prayer, really. And bless our time of giving as well, which we honor you as best as we can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.